This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, Dan Savage, Jim Hightower, The Onion Radio News, The Tom Hartman Program, The Colbert Report, and The David Pakman Show with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users that does a great job of defending Planned Parenthood from the youth perspective by Wesleyan Uncut. Missouri has just passed a state law that claims uh, life begins at conception. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this is important is because it makes uh, getting an abortion even more difficult for women in the state. Remember, we talked about Missouri before and how there's only one abortion clinic in the entire state, and women have to drive um, up to 100 miles just to get to it. And then they have to get counseling, and they have doctors who try to convince them not to get the abortion, then they have to go home and think about it, and then if they decide to get the abortion, they come back. Well, this Jeez. is going to make abortion laws even more strict in the state. What's going to happen now is um, doctors have to give women who are thinking about getting abortions a pamphlet, and the pamphlet will have to say, the life of each human being begins at conception. Abortion will terminate the life of a separate, unique, living human being. Well, here's what they're not. Separate. Um, that, I don't think you could really have an argument about that, can you? Mm -hmm. If they were separate, they wouldn't be inside your body. Okay. Now, I say this from experience because I used to be pro-life. Did you guys know that? No, okay. I didn't. All right. So way, way, way back in the day, I, I was pro-life. And the reason for that was because I said, look, scientifically, logically, there's a place where life begins. And it is at conception, right? Because it doesn't begin at like two and a half months in. Right. That doesn't make any sense. There is a beginning. It's, you know, at conception. So, so I was like, well, logically then, it is a life. And if it is a life, then, you know, then we can't terminate it. Right? So I, I totally get that logic. Here's where they're wrong, okay? And what I l later realized. It is not an independent life. You can't take it outside the woman and say, all right, go. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's where Okay, gone. Okay, that's, I'm sorry. Anyway, but so it's not a separate life. So that's why the woman gets to make a choice. It's her choice. Do you want to carry that fetus to term, right? Or do you not want to carry it? Now, if you, if the pro-life folks could find a way to t zap it out of your body and then grow it, it somewhere else, all right, then I think we have a different conversation, mm -hmm. right? But at this point, it's a dependent life, and the person it's dependent on gets to make that choice. Now, here... It, they're just they're trying to intimidate them, obviously. Of course, right? right. By saying this and scare them and, and to try to make sure that they don't get the abortion. But if they really believe that life began at conception and they really made that legal, well, then obviously all abortion would be illegal. And, but they can't do that because of the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. so they're trying to find a way around it. And my guess is if it goes to the Supreme Court and they respect precedent, they will say, this is too much. You're obviously trying to get around our precedent and you're trying to take away women's effective right to choose.
John Kyle went onto the floor of the Senate to claim that 90% of what Planned Parenthood does is, is abortion. And when people jumped down his throat and pointed out that only 3% of the services that Planned Parenthood provides are abortion-related services, he claimed that his statement, you know, on the floor of the U.S. Senate being read into the congressional record that 90% of what Planned Parenthood does is abortion was not intended to be a factual statement. Stephen Colbert has been having a lot of fun on the Colbert Report with us, uh, and I've been enjoying the shit out of what Stephen Colbert is doing to Senator John Kyle, including yesterday calling him gay and then saying that is not intended to be a factual statement. You can really get away with a lot now with this not intended to be a factual statement disclaimer. You can say pretty much any fucking thing you want to. Ironically, and this makes me crazy, you know, most of what Planned Parenthood does, uh, STI screenings, but also birth control and contraception, they have a net gain. Uh, if you're opposed to abortion, you should support Planned Parenthood because of the work they do uh, disseminating information about contraception uh, leads to there being fewer abortions. Planned Parenthood prevents more abortions than they perform by a factor of like five or ten. Intended to be a factual statement. Don't have time to look it up. If I got it wrong, please call and let me know. Gail Collins had a column in the New York Times last week, last uh, Thursday, that you all really need to go and read. Uh, if you didn't read it yet, go to New York Times or nytimes.com. Click on opinion. Click on Gail Collins. Read her latest column. You should be reading Gail Collins anyway because she's hilarious. And what really distinguishes this column from most of Gail Collins' excellent columns is that it's not particularly funny. She's often right there with the joke and with the Republican presidential field shaking out the way it is. She's got a lot of slow-moving targets, uh, and it's been a real pleasure reading her column lately. There's no jokes in this column, and the title of the column is Behind the Abortion War. And she walks you through what's really going on, why they keep attacking abortion when they're attacking Planned Parenthood, when only 3%, again, of what Planned Parenthood does is, is abortion. And it's because the right-wing Republican Party, the batshit nutjobs in their base, they don't have just an anti-abortion agenda. They have an anti-contraception agenda. I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Collins' column. For eons now, people have been wondering why the two sides can't just join hands, the pro-choice, pro-life sides, can't just join hands and agree to work together to reduce the number of abortions by expanding the availability of family planning services and contraception. The answer, Collins goes on, is that a large part of the anti-abortion community is also anti-contraception. The fact is, she's quoting here, that 95% of the contraceptives on the market kill the baby in the womb, said Jim Sedlock of the American Life League. Fertility in babies are not diseases, said Jean Monahan of the Family Research Council's Center for Human Dignity, which has been fighting against requiring insurance plans to cover contraceptives under the new health care law. They're attacking Planned Parenthood because they want to stop contraception in America, too, not just abortion. And... Why, and this is a minority position. They're using abortion that a lot of people have ambivalent feelings about, even a lot of pro-choice people have ambivalent feelings about, to undermine access to contraception in America, which will lead to more abortions in America. It's batshit through the looking glass land. So go read Gal's column from last week. She really breaks it down. There are wackos in the GOP base and lots of GOP elected officials who believe that contraception is abortion and just as many base and elected GOP wackos don't want women having sex without having to risk pregnancy 
And as their efforts to block the HPV vaccine a few years ago made clear, they don't even want women to have sex without having to risk disease, cancer, and death. You know, when you hear that the GOP wants to shrink the size of government, what they really mean is they want to shrink government just enough that they can stuff it in your fucking vagina. Because that's where they believe the government belongs. That's why they want to shrink the size of government. Texans have a responsibility to explain our Texanity to befuddled out-of-staters. For example, you might have heard about Governor Rick Perry, known for his chronic temper tantrums over big bad government's coercive intrusiveness into people's private affairs. So, how can we explain the fact that his top legislative priority this year is not to cope with the $27 billion budget deficit he's run up, but to require that all Texas women facing the gut-wrenching decision of whether to have an abortion must first undergo a state-mandated sonogram? Yes, Mr. Small Government wants to compel Texas doctors to show an ultrasound image of the fetus to these women, then force them to listen to the fetal heartbeat and sit still for a lecture on fetal development. As a female state senator dryly noted, Perry is going to shrink government until it fits into a woman's uterus. Gubernatorial hypocrisy? Not at all, insists Perry who points out that women can avoid his version of big government intrusion simply by choosing not to get pregnant. And you'll be glad to know that he's been super helpful in preventing unwanted pregnancies by making Texas the nation's number one provider of abstinence-only sex education. Unfortunately, this abstinence-only doctrine has resulted in Texas also having the nation's third highest teen pregnancy rate. But Perry is undeterred by inconvenient facts. Abstinence works, he recently told an interviewer. But, he was asked, what about all those teen pregnancies? It works, he reiterated. How does he know? From my own personal life, he explained. This is Jim Hightower saying, sure enough, his wife has not been noticeably pregnant in more than a couple of decades, so maybe he has been abstaining from sex. That could explain his chronic insanity, or as we call it down here, Texanity.
It's the Onion Radio News. Women are now empowered by everything a woman does. This is Doyle Redland reporting. According to a study released today by the Women's Studies Department at Oberlin College, women, once empowered primarily via the assertion of reproductive rights or workplace equality with men, are now empowered by virtually everything the typical woman does. Oberlin Professor of Women's Studies, Barbara Klein. Only by lauding every single thing a woman does, no matter how ordinary, can you truly go, girls. Other acts of empowerment include purchasing a new big pen, driving to caucus and nearly completing crossword puzzles. South Dakota, they have a governor named Dennis Dalgard, and he is a Republican. And Dennis Dalgard today signed a law, signed into law, uh, a three-day waiting period uh, for a woman seeking an abortion in the state of uh, of South Dakota. That means that you have to go in, uh, and then you have a you you have to meet with a doctor, and then you are sent away for three days uh, to think about whether or not you want to have an abortion. Uh, it says that women. Uh, it also requires women to undergo counseling at pregnancy health help centers. These pregnancy help centers are set up in South Dakota to discourage abortion and to promote the birth. Uh, and what this is meant to do, of course, is to say that the women who are considering abortion will use this three-day period to make good choices. You're not letting them have a choice when you're doing that. South Dakota is is a dark place because of this. Uh, they had Tom Daschle and, and Tim Johnson as their senators. How they ever elected so recently two Democrats. Tim Johnson is still there. Uh, John Thune is their senator, and this backwards man, Governor Dennis Dalgard, um, is is uh, is you know it's amazing what what's going on in parts of this country. The law takes effect July first. An abortion can only be scheduled by a doctor who has personally met with a woman and determined she is voluntarily seeking an abortion. Uh, what they're saying is that they uh, that. Uh that, that Planned Parenthood, the only one in South Dakota, um, is uh, is in which is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That Planned Parenthood gives no information uh, to help um, to have no published information to help people make good decisions. All they do is they fly in doctors from out of state uh, and, um, and 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 have these abortions. Uh, a bad day in South Dakota. Dennis Dalgard uh, is is a backwards politician, and I hope South Dakota finds a way to fight this law. They, I'm sure they will do it in the court as unconstitutional. Uh, this, is, this is really uh, extremism at, at work. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. 
Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. It's uh, Equal Pay Day, and Equal Pay Day as in Equal Pay for Women and for Men. And so let's check in with Romania Bocia. Do I have that right? Yes, hi, Tom. Hey, Romania, how are you? Excellent, thank you. Thanks I should for say, on your show. Thank you for joining us. I should say you are a policy analyst with the uh, Conservative Independent Women's Forum, IWF.org, Twitter at IWF, and uh, Equal Pay Day. Uh, when do we get this uh, equal pay so that women don't make 77 cents for every dollar that a man makes? Well, I don't think that women actually do make only 77 cents to every dollar a man makes because women don't do the same amount of work that men do or the same kind of work. Is that because they're lazier? No, not at all. I don't think so. I think women are very hardworking. They do a lot of unpaid work at home, I think. but Shouldn't they be paid for it? Well, who's going to pay them for it? Maybe their husbands? Well, most of the Scandinavian countries actually do compensate women for that. For example, if you're a housewife in, in Sweden, Denmark, uh, Finland, uh, you can actually claim as, as if it was you know, part of your pen, for your pension, your old age pension, you can claim that, that child-rearing work as work at a salary comparable to a man in the workplace. Oh, for the pension. Well, that's nice. Otherwise, how are these women going to accumulate enough? Um, right. So, shouldn't they get shouldn't the they get social pension? security, for example, uh, you know, with with a very specific dollar amount for the, for the work that they're doing? Well, if we can put a, do a dollar amount on it, on the, you know, on the one hand, they're doing that work at home. It's it's a choice they make to raise kids. It's it's whether you consider that kids are something that society should pay for, or whether it's the individual responsibility of each and every family. To do so, but to come back to the equal well, pay that, day, that gets us. That gets us the question of: Do we live in a we society or a me society? Are we a bunch of selfish individuals, and you know, to hell with everybody else, or are we all in this together? Well, I think either one can be true. Whatever you know, it's up to people's preferences. I think within a family, how's it possible either one could be true? How's it possible that we could live in a society where 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 we where anybody in our society can say to hell with everybody else? I've got mine. Isn't that a, I mean, you know, that, that sounds sociopathic. That's, that's how societies die. We're a nation of barn builders. We're a nation of community builders. We're not a nation of, of uh, you know, I'm going to go out and get mine and to hell with everybody else. We absolutely are. The American people are very, very charitable. And you don't necessarily find that in, in countries in Europe where the government takes over most of that role. I well, come from Germany, and I know that American people donate a lot more to charities because they do care that's and they because, want to help each other out. That's, Germany, you know, I, I lived in Germany for a year. Government. That's because in Germany you don't need to beg rich people to get health care. You don't need to beg rich people to get a pension. You don't need to beg rich people to go to college and not end up in debt. You don't need to beg rich people if you're broken out of work in order to get a place to live or, or, or have food. The government provides for those things. So yeah, of course, there's, there's less charitable giving. Also, Germany doesn't have anywhere near as many incredibly wealthy people as the United States does. And they don't have, and, and their tax code doesn't isn't as generous with regard to donations. Well, but you're you you're trying to compare apples and oranges. And I beg your pardon. People in Germany, rich people in Germany declare their primary residence in the United States so that they don't get taxed as heavily in Germany. Oh nonsense! Oh yes, absolutely. That's nonsense. where rich people in Germany go. 
Yeah, uh, in, in the United States, in the, in the low-tax United States. Well, then what we need to do is raise our taxes to, to, to Germany. So, so you're suggesting women, ha- you know, they, they, got no, they have no beef. There's no complaint. Well, Suck it up. Not in, on, not in general. I do not think that we face systematic discrimination, meaning all women get paid less than men just for the fact that they are women. And we know that that's not true because we look at single young women today and they make way more than men do in metropolitan areas where they have great opportunities for educated women and more women today are getting college than men do so we'll see this trend continue upwards are making up to 21 percent more in no i i agree with you if you look at a very small size slice of women and what is it the the age is like what 23 to 27 or something like that and okay and and you know within urban areas within particular job categories yes they're making more than men um how about this you know the iroquois confederacy that that according to ben franklin we founded our constitution on uh, five five nations uh, franklin famously opened the constitutional convention in 1778 1787 excuse me uh with a little speech in which he said it should be um uh it would be an extraordinary thing if if five nations of ignorant savages have been able to forge a bond uh, a bond that has lived in peace for for a thousand years and 13 colonies of educated englishmen cannot do the same um the iroquois did not allow men to vote only women could vote um, the, and the reason why was because their constitution required that every decision made had to have as its core statement what its impact would be on the seventh generation and that women don't start wars, women don't commit violent crimes. Um, frankly, I think that we should mandate 50% of, of women in all government supervisory jobs, 50% women in all corporate supervisory jobs, all boardrooms, all CEOs. Uh, the men have screwed it up so badly from from the Great Depression, all these wars. Last the last century, we we killed 150 million people in the world in every single one of those wars, with the single exception of the Falklands and Maggie Thatcher. That uh, was declared by a man um, from Reagan, Star Wars, and more wars. Frankly, I don't think that men should be allowed to vote for a decade. We should just turn it all over to women for 10 years and just and and let's see what happens. Well, what do you want me to say? I'm a woman. You know, I'm. I'm Certainly, very much opposed to quotas, but you know, I, I'm not I talking about quotas. I'm, I'm talking about saying, guys, men, you screwed it up. We're going to turn it over to the women. They don't, you know, women, you know, as you know, as you as you know, uh, Romania, uh, men are overrepresented in prison for violent crimes. Men are the guys who, who are the people who declare wars and, by and large, fight the wars. They're the warriors. Let's take out of their hands the power to make decisions that lead to more violence. Well, I don't know that that's a uh, either feasible or desirable solution that demand that 50% of all jobs in either government or the private sector have or supervisory jobs have to be filled with women. I think if we're going to get there, we're going to get there by natural means. I think a big reason why a lot of women don't want the corner office is that they have other priorities, including raising children. No, I, I understand that, and, and men do too. I mean, I, I took a couple of years off work. Louise ran our business, and, and I raised our kids. I mean, we, we took turns, actually. But but my point, and actually, as, as I'm sure you know, if you're from Germany, uh, Norway mandated that 40% of their parliament had to be women. Boom. That's it, 40% of the parliament is women. Uh, Iceland, I think it's 50% in Iceland. I could be wrong. Uh, but Iceland is traditionally a matrilineal, matriarchal society. Um, why don't we just say, okay, men, you've screwed it up. We're going to turn this thing over to women. 
I don't think that, that quotas are a good idea, and I don't think that they have... I'm not talking about quotas. I'm talking about a ban. Men are... I'm sorry, men. You cannot vote. You show up at the polls, you get kicked out. Aren't you, aren't you discriminating against men now? Absolutely. That's the way to go? Absolutely, because, because men are responsible for 150 million deaths in the last century. Yes. Well... Um, I don't know what to tell you, Tom. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to sign on to your society. That's as much as okay. I can tell you. I, I haven't succeeded in making your head explode. No, I'm not. I'm just like <laughs> I don't want to discriminate. I, I am I'm actually. I, you know, I for a long time I've said that I don't think men should be allowed to vote on issues that have to do with, for example, abortion. I think it should be simply women. But you know, if I was Trump, I would say, men, you're fired. Let's let the women take over. It's the Onion Radio News. Sexism in nature is rampant. This is Doyle Redland reporting. A University of California San Diego study released today has found that sexism is rampant throughout the natural world. In the report, researchers identified 24 distinct male behaviors designed to perpetuate gender inequity. Research team leader Jennifer Tannen. The males of all species need to be sent a message that this kind of animal behavior is not acceptable. The study goes on to advocate the legalization of infanticide, which would allow females to devour their newborn offspring when resources are limited. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News Says online at theonion.com. Take a walk on the wild side. Said, hey honey, take a walk on the wild side. Candy came from out on the island. In the back room she was everybody's darling. South Dakota is also trying to push legislation that would make it uh, even more difficult for women to get abortions. So you know more about that story than I do. Can you share the details? Yes. So uh, it would actually be the strictest abortion laws in the country. It would make uh, women wait 72 hours before they can get an abortion. So they come in, they say, I need an abortion. Doctor says, all right, go back and wait 72 hours. Uh, it used to be 24 hours. Of course, this is an effort to restrict abortion. Uh, a lot of women live very, very far from those centers, so it makes them do two trips. And they're hoping that it makes it inconvenient enough that they just wind up not getting the procedure. That's only half of it, though. The other half of it is even worse. It makes them uh, go to, quote, pregnancy help centers, which then spend a great deal of time trying to persuade the women not to have the abortions. These are, they don't help you with your pregnancy at all. It's not like, hey, you know what, I need help, can you help me with this, or Lamaze class, whatever. No, this is the whole point is to talk you out of the abortion and then leave you on your own, right? And a lot of times they pretend to be doctors. We've covered this on the show before. Tina Dupuis has actually done uh, a, a great article on this, research on this. Sometimes they'll show up in, like, doctor's coats. They're not doctors. And they will pretend to be official and authority figures, but their whole job is to prevent you from doing what you 
originally intended to do. So that will be the new laws in South Dakota because the governor, uh, Dennis uh, Dalgard, uh, says that he will sign off on that and they will go into effect soon. Remember, South Dakota had also a provision that was going to make it justifiable, justifiable homicide to murder abortion doctors to prevent an abortion. Uh, I mean, that was so radical, so insane, that it, eventually, after receiving great coverage and pressure on that, including by us, um, the South Dakota legislators were like, all right, we'll take away that insane clause, but leave the rest of the incredibly restrictive uh, language in there. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people think it's unconstitutional, that it uh, unduly limits a woman's right to choose, uh, but South Dakota doesn't really care, and they've already set aside money to for lawsuits that they know will uh, come because they are doing something that is basically illegal. They know it, uh, but so they put money in the budget to make sure that they could fight those lawsuits so they could try to change the law, hopefully, if it, in their view, if it goes up to the Supreme Court. You know, the part of that that really, really just makes me cringe is the idea of the pregnancy help, help, help centers. Because these women are so, I mean, they're in such a terrible position, you know. They're just, they don't know what to do, right? I, I mean, they're feeling terrible. Uh, their future is uncertain. It's a horrible place emotionally for a woman to be. So to go to this pregnancy help center and then have someone preach to you about how you're a, a supposedly about to kill a life, it's just the worst thing, guilt-tripping a woman into feeling like she's a terrible, disgusting person and that she should do whatever it takes to have that baby. And then, of course, this is the part that everyone forgets about. As soon as that woman does have the baby and does not have the means to take care of the baby, all of a sudden that's when the Republicans are like, what do you want? What do you want? You want us to pay for that? We're not going to pay for that. Why would we do that? Look, I told you, we've already done research into these things. I mean, Tina's done a great story on it. And you put enormous psychological pressure on the woman to make her feel guilty, make her feel like it's her fault, etc. So that under all circumstances, whatever they have to do by any means necessary, that they make her keep the baby. Now, later, if you show up at a pregnancy help center and you say, oh, I had the baby. Can you help me with the baby? They're like, get out of here. Get, get. They rough talk to you and run you off. They don't give a damn once the kid's out there. Pregnant women are smug. Everyone knows it. Nobody says it because they're pregnant. F and son of a gun. You think you're so deep now. You give me the creeps now that you're pregnant. I can't count all the ways how. You speak in cliches now. So do you want a boy or a girl? Oh, it doesn't matter as long as it's healthy. Really? Because I don't feel like those two things are related. It's not like one or the other. No, no, as long as it's healthy. Hmm. I can't wait to hear someone say Don't care if it's brain dead, don't care if it's limbless, if it has a penis My guest tonight is a Nobel Peace Prize winner who is working to advance equality for women And I plan to pay her exactly the same I give my male guests Please welcome Jody Williams Now, uh, Madame, you, you won the Nobel Prize in 1997, the Peace Prize, um, uh, for an initiative to try to get rid of the world of landmines, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. What since then, though? <laughs> or are you a one Nobel wonder? 
You know something? I was actually afraid I was going to be the Nobel footnote. You know, why'd they give it to her? She never did anything again, but no. No, I, that turned out to be Barack Obama. I don't even want to go there. Let's go there for a second. I was impressed when Obama recognized he did not deserve it, and he said it out loud. I would have, like, really been impressed if he had said, therefore, I cannot accept it. When they said, you're getting the Peace Prize, you go, damn straight. <laughs> like, did you like, yeah, absolutely, it's about damn time. You know why? No, 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 it was not So you not thought that. you deserved it? I think the work we did deserved the recognition, yes. Okay. We banned anti-personnel landmines. We were a group of ordinary people just like me. I'm from a town of 1,200 people in Vermont. Woo. Yeah, rock on Vermont. <laughs> and we got up off our butts and saw that there were landmines in 80 countries around the world and that if we worked together, we could put enough pressure on governments to get rid of the weapon. And for the first time in history, we took a conventional weapon away from virtually every fighting force in the world. Now, okay, that... Okay, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. I'll grant you that. So... So you're anti-Second Amendment. Yeah, not, not, keep and bear arms, all arms. I am against all arms. I am against students that I have at the University of Houston perhaps being able to bring guns into my classroom. I okay. think that's insane. All right, you're getting crazy. Let me <laughs> let's talk about the Nobel Women's Initiative. What's what's yes. the mission? You're, you're chairing this now. There are seven women alive today who received the Peace Prize. There've mm -hmm. only been twelve in the 110-year history. Ninety-eight have been men. Mm -hmm. No sexism there. Well, men, men, men like peace Ooh. more than women. No, they do. They do. I agree. Absolutely. I hear that you guys think about it like 80 times a day. So. Spelled a little differently, but yeah, you're at, it's, yeah that's accurate. Exactly. Well, let's talk about like Olivia wait, wait, first. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I do. On tell me all about it. You want to hear about the Nobel women? Seven of us alive today, including Aung San Suu Kyi, who was recently, you know, released from house arrest. So she's an honorary member. But the rest of us came together to use the influence and access that we have by virtue of the Nobel Peace Prize to support the work of women around the world working for peace with justice and equality. Whenever... Well, how do I... I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, mm -hmm, I mean to sure. rain on your parade, but... Don't women have equality now? We went through the 60s, we went through the early 70s, we had Ms. Magazine, it's done. <laughs> what are you talking about? Many would contend that women in the U.S. aren't even equal. I won't go there. Look we at the have Hillary Clinton is the Secretary of State. She came Good this close her. to being President of the United States. And by the way, Good she was the one who said, let's go into Libya. Her, uh, Samantha Powers, mm -hmm. Susan Rice. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Hillary, there is one who, who said to Barack Obama, let's go bomb some people. Was the boys going, no. <laughs> That's true. That's a true story. What do you hope to achieve with the Women's Initiative? Look, at, as long as you keep more than 51% of the population of the world down, you're keeping everybody down. Think of all of the... I, I, don't, I, think I, women, I, I don't think I, women should be kept down in any way. But the, what, the, what I'm hearing, I don't, I don't. I think women should be equal. I have a daughter, I love her, I love my wife. I think she should have all the rights that men have. But it sounds to me like you think that women are better than men, that women Absolutely should run things. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. I don't believe I'm better. I think I'm smarter than a hell of a lot of you, but that's a different issue. 
never, ever. Yes? <laughs> I kind of like you. I like you too. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. I've mm -hmm. never wanted to be a man in my entire life. No, I, ha I haven't. But I believe that when there are m more different types of humans in a room having a discussion, different ideas for a resolution will be found. If you have a bunch of white dudes sitting around the table, you're going to get white dude ideas. <laughs> if you have, no. Okay, okay, okay. But, so but now, men are bad, and specifically white men. <laughs> Did you write the color purple? No. Jody Williams, thank you so much. Jody Williams of the Nobel Women's So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoy this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full-time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth 5 bucks a month or as little as $55 a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. I'm going to ask you, Lewis, how many anti-abortion bills do you think we have seen so far in 2011? Now, the number, the total number in 2010 was 174. Okay, now bear in mind, we're closing in on mid-April. Mm -hmm. How many bills do you think we've seen, anti-abortion bills, so far in 2011? I'd say close to 300. Close to 300. Mm -hmm. So you, you would suggest that, uh, well, you know what? For whatever reason, that's not even that's not even high enough. Actually, in March, we were already up to 351 anti-abortion bills. This is a shocking number. It's a dangerous number. People talk about uh, paying for 9/11 calls or the police coming out if it's not a quote real emergency. I've never supported that. But the reality is, there is just no downside for anti-choicers to throw out any and as many anti-abortion bills as they want, see what sticks, even if they conflict with Roe v. Wade, even if they're unconstitutional. There is just simply no downside to continuing to propose these anti-abortion bills. So the question is, yes, the majority aren't passing, but pieces of them will stick. Should anything be done, Lewis, to prevent this huge waste of time which, by the way, is also a significant attack on women. What can you do? What can be done? I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to change the way legislation happens in this country just no. because of this. I mean, what can you really do? I'm not sure. I mean, think about it. When you think about, you can't be tried twice for the same crime without significant new evidence or whatever. I mean, a lot of these bills, I get they, that they are different in terms of the letter of the law, but the spirit of many of these bills is really identical. And it just, it, people complain about politicians all the time. Th one of the complaints should be 
repeatedly trying to pass bills that attack more than half of the population, women, have no chance of passing, and in many cases are unconstitutional or directly conflict with laws that already exist. Well, Dave, good luck getting the people trying to pass all these bills themselves pass legislation to prevent them from passing all, trying yeah. to pass all these bills. And obviously it would never happen. And by the way, Barack Obama, supposedly a pro-choice feminist president, what about some kind of statement from Barack Obama? Just a statement saying enough is enough with the attacks on women and constant new ways to make access to legal and safe abortions more difficult. Just a statement from the president. I don't know. Is that too much to ask? No. We get plenty of statements from senators and House members, but never from the president regarding there's, this. There's a number, by the way, of states that have literally a, a shocking level of anti-women legislation. And I, I have a list here, and there's just a few different ones. And, and the situations in some of these states, really being here in New England, Lewis, I think we can get a little bit... Uh, we can lose some perspective sometimes on what the situation is like in some parts of the country. I mean, South Dakota has one clinic in the entire state that offers abortions. It's a Planned Parenthood in Sioux Falls. And no doctors who provide abortions at the clinic even live near it. So they have to fly in from where they work to provide the service. How, how is that good for women? Virginia. Two-pronged strategy to attack women. Attack the ability to pay for abortion and the ability to find a safe and legal provider in the first place. Very, very difficult in Virginia. We talked about that legislation earlier in, uh, earlier in the year. Arizona. Arizona is using uh, race baiting to give angry, abusive men control over women's bodies. Listen to this. The law allows the would-be father to claim that an abortion was done for, quote, race or gender reasons, meaning that if a man is bitter because he was dumped by his wife, he can lash out at the doctor who performed the abortion. And again, what effect could this have? Making the clinic hesitant to perform it in the first place, especially for women who need it the most, women in abusive relationships. Right. It's incredible. And this goes on and on. Indiana. Indiana is already, by the way, one of the worst states in the country on reproductive rights. The uh, pro-choice legislators attempted to amend a ban on abortions after 22 weeks for rape or incest victims, knowing that victims, especially young ones, are often in denial for months about what happened to them. And Cong uh, Representative Eric Turner stood up and said many women would wait until they were six months pregnant, capriciously change their minds about having a baby, and falsely claim to be raped in order to get an abortion that's much more expensive than an early abortion. That, that makes sense? Representative Turner, it makes sense to you that women who are already ashamed and hesitant to even admit ever that they were raped would make that up? Women now are going to lie about having been raped when we have evidence that countless rapes already go unreported. What, what sense does that make? And the list goes on. Florida, Missouri, Kansas, Alabama, Idaho. Idaho is one of the many states that's using fake science claims that fetuses at 20 weeks can feel pain in order to ban abortions after 20 weeks. And uh, what makes it stand out in Idaho is that the legislature seems to have a vendetta against Dr. Leroy Carhart. And uh, state legislatures don't usually write their laws to target individuals for harassment, but I guess Dr. Carhart is the exception. He offered to help patients in need of late-term abortions after Dr. Tiller's assassination 
of course, left a, a gap. Idaho is hardly the only state siding with anti-choicers against Dr. Carhart. They actually uh, uh, directed the state of Nebraska was the first to ban post-20-week abortions directed specifically at Carhart. He moved his practice to Maryland, and uh, now Idaho is jumping on board. How long is this going to go on, Lewis? How long are we going to allow this to go on? I don't know. Again, when people get upset and they say, you know, I just don't feel my vote means anything, so I won't vote at all. These are the types of laws that are going to continue passing. Come on. I don't know about that. This is happening at the state level, and states, red states, mostly. The fact that it's happening at the state level means it should be even easier for people to get involved and actually affect change. That, that should be reason to get involved, not reason not to get involved. Perhaps. Perhaps you're right, Dave. I mean, if people continue to not vote because they feel that their vote doesn't Perhaps mean anything. Perhaps if this were happening in my state, I would be more involved. Right. Maybe it would actually get Lewis to vote. But there's nothing I can do about it when it's happening in Florida. Well, the, yeah, I, the argument could be made that there is still something you could do. You just don't necessarily, you're not a constituent. But you were. You did go to school there. Maybe you could, uh, you could have your grandmother write to. I could influence people in Florida. Yeah, exactly. In any event, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the time to, to, to just give up and say, ah, eh, I don't really feel any connection to politicians and the way they're legislating, so I'm just going to not be involved in the political process at all. Because you know what? That's exactly what they want. The less you pay attention, the more that is going to happen with absolutely no influence or input from you. yesterday that was honestly unbelievable but this is actually happening in New Jersey a woman by the name of Louise Marie gave birth three years ago and right after she gave birth she had her daughter taken away from her and she's fighting to regain custody of her baby well the reason why um, the state took her child away from her her baby her newborn baby away from her is because she refused to pre-consent to having a c-section so she goes into the hospital she's in labor the doctor tells her look we don't know whether or not you're gonna need a c-section yet but we need you to sign this form indicating that you will allow us to perform a c-section should you need it she said, no, I would like to deliver this baby vaginally, and if it comes to the point where we have complications, then I will sign the form. Well, the hospital did not like that. So they reported her, uh, and the New Jersey Division of Youth and Family Services took her baby away from her right after she gave birth. She delivered the baby vaginally, everything was fine, there were no problems, but they still took the baby away from her. Okay, now she is fighting in court to get the baby back, and believe it or not, she has lost that court case. Okay, so the appellate court in New Jersey um, basically said that she put, put the baby's life in danger and that uh, the hospital was right, except that doesn't make any sense at all because according to the law, individuals are not legally required to consent to invasive procedures even to save other individuals, including fetuses that lack full legal status. So I, I don't really understand how this ruling makes any sense at all. 
We've covered a lot of outrageous stories on the Young Turks throughout all these years, but I actually think this is one of the most outrageous I've ever heard. Uh, Nate haven't seen their kid in three years. Three years. They had a kid. They didn't do anything wrong. And she was 100% right. There was no need to sign that report. The delivery went fine. And she, and she, she didn't even, if something had gone wrong, she would have given consent. But she just didn't want to do it without her consent at the time. I, I literally can't imagine a more reasonable case. And to have your kid ripped away from you right after birth and not be able to see them for three years? This is a crime, man. No, and the hospital's, and look, the hospital's defense was that um, she was being, or their argument was that she was being combative, uncooperative, erratic, inappropriate. She's in labor. If ever there's a time for a woman to be erratic, it's when she's about to have, about to deliver a baby vaginally or give birth to a baby in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so I don't understand what that argument is. For them to even bring it up uh, during court and have a judge listen to it and think, yeah, that makes sense, I think that's probably one of the most egregious parts of the story. Like, I, I yeah, look, 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 look. I mean, it's like that anger management uh, movie with Adam Sandler when they're like, be calm, sir. He is like, I am calm. And then they tase him. And it, it's, wait a minute. You're telling me you can take my kid away. I'm in, in the middle of labor. And then when I get upset about it, then it's that I'm being erratic and I'm upset. And so then you got to take my kid away. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's crazy. Look, the thing is, this makes this gives the government such a bad name, right? These are the kind of things that people look and they go, oh, look at the bureaucrats, look at them taking away your kids, etc. Because they are in this case. Look, you can have sensible regulations to protect kids. You need sensible regulations to protect kids if their parents are going to do harm to them. But it, once you go overboard like this, you lose all credibility. This is madness. Give them their kids back, man. Have some decency. And what kind of court system do we have that you keep ruling against these guys for three straight years. C come on, man. This is beyond all bounds of reason. Yeah, apparently the worst thing to do in the United States if you're, if you're a woman is to get, become pregnant. Because at this point, there, there are people who are demonizing women uh, for deciding whether or not to give birth or deciding how they want to give birth. Okay, so at this point, the way a woman wants to deliver a child is no longer in her control. Okay, we should do what the Republicans think we should do with our bodies. We should do what the doctors think we should do with our bodies before there's any proof that we should do what they're suggesting. It's, it's ridiculous how much we're being demonized at this point. It's the scariest thing know, in the world to have a baby in this country at this point. I, look, look, here's another angle on this that you got to know about. Part of the reason she didn't want to do it is because uh, they're now... Uh, encouraging C-sections a lot more. Why are they encouraging C-sections? One, it's become kind of a pattern and it's become kind of blasé and part of the normal procedure. And C-sections are invasive, man. They cut your stomach open, they take your innards out, then they take the baby out. It's a tough thing to go through that shouldn't be common procedure. I'm not saying the doctors are getting lazy, but they're just falling into a routine where they do it a little quicker than they really should, okay? Uh, then number two, it's how they get compensated. Insurance sometimes pays more for it. So then the doctors in the hospitals have an incentive to push C-sections. And if you don't go along with their profit motive, well, then they take your kid away. I mean, that's the part 
that where it goes from horrible to just revolting, and and you understand why they did it, and it becomes ten times more grotesque. Right, and just to give you a statistic on this particular hospital, they have a fifty percent C-section rate. So fifty percent of all That's women, crazy. all fifty percent of That's all women crazy. who come into this hospital have a C-section. I mean, if that doesn't 50%. give it away right there, I don't know. Fifty percent. There's, there's no. There's no way that 50% of the women delivering should have C-sections. No way! A need for something, no, let me break it down again. A need for something, but not more medicine. Something has me, something has oh, me. something has me, something has me, acting like You know, I've always been a champion of women in that they're the only people I can beat at sports. <laughs> and I've had the ladies on my show to talk about some tough women's issues like Ayan Hirsi Ali to discuss subjugation of women in the Islamic world, Gloria Steinem to assess the state of the feminist movement, and Jane Fonda to subvert traditional gender roles in sexual harassment. <laughs> but I have never addressed the most pressing women's issue of all, how to make some cash off of them. You see, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, women oversee over 80% of consumer spending. And the World Bank predicts that by 2014, the global income of women will grow by more than $5 trillion. Although that could just be what Oprah will be making. <laughs> and folks, we all know America is a consumer economy. So if we don't pull out of this economic tailspin, then, as is so often the case, it is the lady's fault. Luckily, one company has found a new way to get the ladybugs flowing. And that brings us to tonight's word. <laughs> Buy and cellulite. Now, one of the secrets of sales is fulfilling the public's need. The other secret is inventing the public's need. And for that, women have been Madison Avenue's experimental lab rats. Tried everything for dark circles. Doll frizz prone hair. A new clinical crow's feet corrector. Yellow teeth. Hello. Pregnancy can sometimes leave ugly stretch marks. Keeping your tired feet young looking is such a chore. No more back fat. Now, I thought after all that we had reached the peak of making money off female insecurity. Until I heard of a breakthrough shame ovation from Unilever, the makers of Dove deodorant. Unilever's Dove brand has a new product hitting shelves this week that claims to make your armpit more attractive in five days. Real women tried new Dove Go Sleeveless deodorant. Five days later, beautiful, smooth, and protected underarms in just five days. Ooh. <laughs> just look at that hot, sexy pit. Wouldn't, what I wouldn't give to change light bulbs with her. Now, now Jimmy, show me a regular armpit. Take it down. Take it down. Oh, God. 
You see, with Unilever's help, women have now learned that their armpits are hideous. You know, I hear the Statue of Liberty originally was sleeveless. They covered it up after boats of immigrants kept turning around. You see, Unilever is on to something brilliant here, folks. Why sell women a solution to a need they already know they have, like those personal absorbent cotton thingies? I don't know, I close my eyes when I'm in that aisle. Now, if you take the time to invent a new thing for women to feel insecure about, then sell them the solution, you've cornered the market. And ladies, remember it is perfectly normal to lay awake at night worrying about your armpits. A recent study discovered that 93% of women found their armpits unattractive. The people behind that study? Unilever. Wow, what are the odds? Now, until now, until now, folks, women had no way to address this sickening disfigurement. Sure, there's plastic surgery, but that's costly. And today's working women are reluctant to remove their arms. <laughs> Luckily, Unilever's new Dove Go Sleeveless can help. And since they just made up the problem, let's say anything made by Unilever can help. For instance, Ben & Jerry's is a wholly owned subsidiary of Unilever. So I am going to take this pint of Ben & Jerry's Stephen Colbert's American Dream and use it to cure Veronica's unsightly underarm problem. Okay, oof, look at that thing. Who would marry that armpit? Okay. Get that in there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. And now you're attractive. Veronica and her beautiful armpit, everybody. Excellent. That's good stuff. Where was I? Oh yeah, God hates women. If he didn't hate them, why did he give them so many problem areas? Folks, underarms, underarms are just the pit of the iceberg. What about that hideous spot behind a woman's knee? The leg pit, or the elbow waddle, or this nasty little nook right here. I call it the thumb crotch. Why hasn't Victoria's Secret come out with a line of thumb thongs? Then we could sell women thumb crotch wax. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying beauty's about what's on the inside. Yes, that's why we need to make women feel bad about their internal organs too. I mean, just check out, just check out this chunky pancreas. This girl's got some real pankles. So, American businesses take Unilever's lead. Because if there's one sure way to financial security, it's inventing women's insecurities.
Hi, Jay. It's Michael from Glen Burnie. I uh, just listened to your episode 477 about the Koch brothers and uh, just wanted to, uh, well, first say good job. I like that episode a lot. But uh, I, uh, the reason for my call was I wanted to respond to Ryan from New York who was responding to me a couple episodes ago. Um, basically, I, I understand what he's saying about the CIA and Libya probably signifying, you know, more drastic action to come. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't the case. I don't know if you can directly correlate the two, but certainly it, I wouldn't be surprised if I turned on the news tomorrow and heard that uh, we are sending ground troops to Libya. Um, but uh, that wasn't really the point of what I was saying. The point of what I was saying was, was that the way the Jimmy Dore show characterized it, um, they basically played a clip of Obama saying there will be no boots on the ground, Speaking, of course, of, about military, about sending soldiers to fight a war, uh, and uh, and then they, you know, uh, juxtapose that with a clip of of uh, someone reporting that there are boots on the ground. And my point was just that the way that that was presented made it sound like Obama was telling us he was not going to do something at the exact same time he was doing it, and. Uh, that I just wanted to point that out, and just for the record, I you know went on Jimmy Dore's site and commented on that episode, and he's he's actually responded to me and said that he was sorry that that wasn't what he intended, uh, and that you know he's since found out that that was what they were talking about with the CIA. So that's all I wanted to say. Thanks for everything you do, and uh, keep up the good work. Yes, this is Wild Horse out of the liberal city of Olympia, Washington. And I wanted to make a suggestion for a podcast to listen into, and that's my good old buddies from the Fire Sign Theater with Radio Free Oz, which can be picked up at their RadioFreeOz.com webpage or off of iTunes. Thank you, and keep up all the great work out there. Thanks. Hi, Jay. This is Roy out of McLean, Texas, along Route 66. In regards to your statement at the end of your show on April 23, 2011, one, calling the Republicans, their actions, and their policies fascistic, and then by extension fascists, is not the same as calling them Nazis. The Nazis were a specific group that behaved in a fascistic way. However, fascism is larger than the Nazis and a very real danger today, given how much control over our public lives the Republicans wish to cede to corporations, along with the control over our private lives they would seek to have government exercise. Failure to speak succinctly and honestly about the actions of those who have set themselves up as the enemies of anyone who is not wealthy and or able to help them politically in the hopes of seeking some mythological civility that has never existed the way that most people want to think it once did and is certainly not extended to progressives by the right is as good as capitulating to that same enemy. Two, while I certainly don't disagree with your points about the use of certain rhetorical tactics such as name-calling in serious political debate, the larger truth that I believe you and many like you are missing is that the people who most need to be reached with the progressive message aren't necessarily the ones who pay much attention to such debate. The right has all but kidnapped the working class and their attentions through a clever combination of spectacle and ridicule for their opponents. And while we must always be judicious in what tactics of theirs we utilize, and to what degree to refuse 
to use them at all, let alone even consider using them, is to not only deny us important tools in re-winning working class people to our side, but also means that we run the risk of continuing to be viewed as hyper-intellectual, out-of-touch, and elitist, until we are dominant political force again with a broad base from all strata of society, we must seek a variety of means of getting and keeping people's attention and interest, even if that means using rhetorical methodology that some might find juvenile or mildly distasteful. Take care. Hey Jay, this is Adam from the Chicagoland suburbs. Love the show, first of all. I just had a uh, question for a show. See if maybe you would be interested in running a show on stupidity in politics. I don't know if it's just my age group or people in general, but it seems like the majority of people out there have no idea what they're talking about and or don't care if they do. So if you get a chance to check into that or make a show about it, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called in the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So we're, we're going back a couple of years now with this story. A couple of years ago, uh, I was just in the very beginning stages of, uh, of thinking about trying to turn this show into a little supplemental income for myself. And, you know, so I, I kind of did what I think just about anyone would do in that situation. I had to start uh, learning how to make money with a show like this. And, uh, and of course, my first instinct was advertising. I was like, okay, I I gotta learn to sell advertising. I gotta learn how it all works. I need to be able to sell the show. What are the, you know, how, how beneficial will it be? How, uh, you know, valuable is it? If I'm gonna try to sell someone on it, they're gonna ask me how much I charge. You know, I gotta learn all these things. And, Thank God I didn't have to end up doing that. Uh, the, the membership program actually worked. Um, and so you guys saved me from having to make sales calls. And I thank you, you know, I, I, at least internally, I thank you guys every day for the fact that I don't have to make sales calls. But way back then, I did actually learn an okay amount about advertising, uh, which I ended up not having to put to use. But, you know, that's okay. So, uh, so one of the things I learned was that uh, the average person needs to hear an advertisement in the neighborhood of like six times before they take action on it, even if it's something that they are kind of inclined to take action on. And so, you know, that's a pretty good piece of information to have. You know, it, it really helps you understand the psychology of people that, uh, you know, as well-meaning as they are, you know, if you tell someone one thing once as much as they may want to remember it or as much as they may want to take action on it, they're just not going to, you know, just, that's just how it works. It's human psychology. So armed with this information, I understand wholly why uh, so few of you have donated to the New Leaders Council as I've been asking you to do. And, you know, it's totally understandable. Uh, you know, oh, see, I just mentioned it and I bet you just thought to yourself, oh, that's right. I've, I've even been meaning to, and I've heard him, you know, I've heard Jay talk about it on the show like four, maybe five times, and I always think like, oh yeah, I could give him five bucks, and then you immediately forget. Like as soon as the show's over, you're just like, oh, what was that thing I was going to do? Like you probably don't even ask yourself that. It's so, it so instantly uh, exits your mind. But we're getting up there. We're getting, we're getting close to that magic six, you know, uh, and so, so I'm really thinking that we're about to hit magic hour, and you guys are really going to start to come through. 
uh, with those uh, donations. As I said, this is, a, this is a fundraising event. It's happening on May 11th in Chicago. So if you're in the neighborhood, you can definitely you know come and get a ticket and actually come to the event. It'll be great. Uh, but if you're not, it's a national organization that's focused on training the next generation of progressive leaders. I can tell you from firsthand experience that they do a great job. And, you know, like I thought I knew stuff about, you know, politics and the system and how it worked. But I've received, you know, training and information from these guys that I simply wouldn't have ever gotten anywhere else. So that's the sort of thing your $5 would be going to is training people like me and hundreds of other people across the country. So I know, I know, you're, you're totally convinced, you're ready to do it, you're serious this time, you're actually, you, you, probably, you probably even just got a pin out to, to write down the link, because you know I've, I've mentioned the link in every show for the past couple of weeks, but it, you know, you don't remember it as soon as the show ends, but this time, you're ready, you have the pin, you want to write it down, you're waiting for me to say it, the link is a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash support NLC, bit.ly slash support NLC for the New Leaders Council. That link will take you right to the page where if you are in the Chicago neighborhood, you can buy a ticket for the event, or if you are anyone in the world with a credit card, you can just make a donation, safe, secure donation, to help train the next generation of progressive leaders. Now, I just want to thank a couple of members of the show. Alan F. signed up for a socialist membership, paid for a full year in advance starting back on January 4th, and Stephen S. signed up for a leftist monthly membership and has stuck with the show since then, ever since uh, October 20th of last year. So huge thanks to Alan and Stephen and all the members and donors who keep the show going and allow me to do this show without having to make sales calls. Oh, God, that's a good feeling. So the members keep the show going, but everyone keeps the show growing just by telling everyone you know about it. You can share the show easily by spreading around our new YouTube clips of the show, and you can stay tuned into the show and help spread the word online by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. For details about the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all of that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 11 times a month thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Now black and white You took a part of picture that wasn't right